you are listening to She Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Robbins. Our current serial is Musketeer Space. Chapter 9 Madame Sue's Bed and Board. Two months after her arrival on Paris Satellite, Dana could finally acquit herself with a minimum of embarrassment when it came to her duties for Mecha Squad Essart. She almost never blew things up unintentionally. She'd made a few mates here and there, amiable chaps you could chat to while you checked your gear and ran through safety drills, or shared a long shift of guard duty in the dodgier areas of the Lunar Palais Dome. Home was still Paris Satellite and despite Porthos, Aramis and Athos's mostly successful attempts to draw her into their gambling, drinking, screwing around habits, Dana had managed her credit well enough to afford digs of her own. It would be nice to have a berth where she could sleep, without worrying she was getting in the way of Grimaud or Bonnie, or risking the state of Bazin's soul. Not to mention that she preferred not to wear out her welcome with her friends. Quite by accident, while searching for somewhere to live, Dana also found herself an NG. After flooding her brain with unnecessary ads for luxury accommodation she could never afford, Dana's info stud finally locked in the filters she needed. Unfortunately, all the other temporary vagrants on Paris Satellite were better at this than she was. Every time she made her way to an address she thought she could afford, it was only to discover that someone else had got there first. At least Dana was learning her way around, or so she thought, until she set out to locate a boarding suite on level 38, only to find herself in a small warehouse full of machinery for hire, games devices, clothes printers, art tablets and transporter cubes. Everything looked second-hand and well-maintained, but it still wasn't what she was looking for. Damn, she said aloud. A teenager with pigtails slid out from under a small air skimmer. Hello, she said cheerily. Can I help you? I'm in the wrong place, Dana said, consulting the map in her stud. Or this is glitching again. That depends what you're looking for. The girl, who had improbably red hair, light skin and freckles, leapt to her feet and wiped oil onto her coverall. This isn't Madame Sue's bed and board, is it? Dana asked. Tiredness washed over her. This was almost enough for her to give up and return to the rent-free bunk waiting for her on the moon. Almost, but not quite. She'd still never managed to sleep through the night down there. Of course it is, said the girl, with a cheery smile. Madame Sue is out looking for her husband. I'm her assistant. She stuck out a hand that was still slightly oily. I'm Planchet. Hey, you're not a pigeon, are you? Her eyes lit up at the realisation that Dana wore the royal grey uniform. Do you have a mecca? That's beyond extreme. Do you need an NG? I qualified all my certs last year, but I can't get a spot. We're not the musketeers, Dana said as if she needed a further reminder. We don't hire our own NGs. Oh, said Planchet, her face falling. I knew that. 
I applied to the Pigeon Pit crew last year, but they want more experience. It's hard to get experience on Mecca up here, you know? Yes, I can imagine. Dana looked around the messy warehouse. You said this is a boarding house? Oh, not a house, exactly, said Planchet. There's a spare room over the workshop, though. And Madame Sue doesn't charge much. She looked a little embarrassed. I work my board. But that won't be necessary for you. You have a job. You'd think, Dana muttered. Her credit was only creeping very slowly into the black. While she'd gained many benefits from her friendship with the musketeers, she found their excessive socialising quite expensive to keep up with. This did not look like a place that would charge through the roof, but the workshop noise might cancel out any orbital benefit to her sleeping patterns. I suppose you can tell Madame Sue I was here, she started to say doubtfully, when the landlady herself arrived. Madame Sue was a stocky woman, perhaps fifty years old, with shiny black hair entirely lacking in grey. She wore a fashionable suit, of orange silk and eye-blindingly green embroidery, and had several pearl studs running up both arms from wrist to elbow. Planchet, it's worse than I thought, she declared, then stopped and looked Dana over. Can I help you, pilot? Pilot, Dana thought, warming to the woman straight away. I was hoping to see the room. Madame Sue sniffed at her. Got many things? What's your job? You better have pay coming in regularly, or I'm not going to let you in at all. Valuable stuff here, you know. Dana touched the collar of her grey uniform. Did the woman think this was a fashion statement? I work for Mecha Squad Essart, Royal Guard and Ferry Duty out of Luna Palais. I need a berth here in the city for occasional shift sleeping, but I'll pay full rent, of course. She stopped. It was when she said Royal Guard, she decided later, that Madame Sue's face had taken on that odd stricken expression. After that, well, Dana had barely managed to inspect the clean but bare room above the workshop before she had a clamshell tablet shoved into her hand with a contract ready to sign and a rent that was suspiciously low. There was a catch. There had to be a catch. But Dana could not afford not to take advantage of whatever it was made the old lady so very anxious. Now all she had to do was buy a bed, a pillow and a food printer, and wait to discover why Madame Sue was so keen on having a royal guard living above her warehouse. It took three days, which suggested the landlady was in less trouble than Dana had imagined, or else was so suspicious and paranoid it took her that long to build up her courage. In any case, three days after Dana took on the little room above the warehouse, her landlady decided to call in the favour for the exceedingly cheap rent. Madame Sue invited her new tenant to take tea with her in her own sitting room, featuring the same combination of lavish fabrics and gaudy fashions as her own clothes. Today's suit was pink and striped, with a pattern of lilies on the lining of her sleeves and hems. It clashed with the orange and red space deco wall print. 
Madame Sue, said Dana, over a cup of rather weak green tea. Are you in trouble? At this, her landlady burst into messy and noisy tears. Horrified, Dana stared at her cup, wishing she'd invited Aramis along. Aramis had a soothing voice and the ability to pat people comfortingly on the shoulder in just the right way. In fact, Aramis was less than ten minutes away, if she took the express walkways and the turbo shuttle, and Dana was overwhelmed by the compulsion to call her instantly and claim an emergency. Even Porthos would be more use right now than Dana herself. Dana did not know how to be comforting. She could barely manage polite most days. It's my husband, Madame Sue howled. My darling little Conrad. Is he dead? was the first thing Dana thought to say, and this led to more noisy tears. Then some horrific snorting. Sorry, not dead. Is he... All the things she could think of to suggest were perhaps not things that should be said out loud. She took a deep breath instead. What would Aramis say? What's wrong? she tried, and patted Madame Sue's hand, awkwardly. That woman, said Madame Sue, hiccuping now, that awful woman has him. Wonderful. And now it was down to Dana to dispense advice on how to be dumped. She sent a silent curse in the direction of Conrad Sue, whoever he was. Maybe you're better off without him, she tried. Madame Sue's back straightened and she gave Dana a murderous look. How can you say that? How does that help me? He might be dead. Or worse. Dana found herself surreptitiously glancing around the room to see if there was any booze on display. Anything would do. Her friendship with Athos, Porthos and Aramis had taught her that cheap wine had as much to offer a thirsty pilot as the fancy stuff. I knew that spoiled palace brat would be the death of him, Madame Sue muttered. Prince, my freckled ass, never let your husband play sports. It all ends in tears and treachery. Can we start at the beginning? Dana asked. The sooner her landlady explained what was going on, the sooner she could get to that lovely bed that had cost her the last of her financial buffer. Tomorrow's dinner would take her into the red unless she could scab dinner off one of her friends, but that was tomorrow's problem. Madame Sue gave a hoarse, raspy breath. You have a kind, sympathetic face, D'Artagnan. No, I don't. Get on with it. Dana's internal thoughts. My husband Conrad works at the palace, down on Luna Palais. He's a tailor, quite the best of tailors. Dana resisted the urge to ask if Conrad made Madame Sue's suits. They were something else. He works for that selfish prince consort, said the landlady, her face twisting up as bitterness came through in her words. That's why he married me, of course. You're not allowed to work in at the palace. Without a marriage or priesthood contract to prove your morality. She sniffed at Dana. Different for guards and pilots. 
They prefer you not to be hampered with spouses and families. I sponsored Conrad through his final years of apprenticeship, she added with a spark of something like pride. Three years I've put into him, and now I'm finally recouping on my investment. Though they don't pay him nearly what he's worth, it's tantamount to slavery. And look at him now, not appreciating what he has, not thinking about me for a second. Intriguing with his master and that chevreur's bitch. Whispering in corridors, getting into trouble. He's going to ruin everything for us. Dana was utterly lost in this sea of accusations and panic. What? kind of trouble she ventured he's been abducted madame sue hissed conspiratorially after first glancing around to check no one was listening at the door i knew he would come to no good but i hoped for more than twelve months of palace paychecks before it all came crashing down dana was starting to feel sorry for darling little conrad abducted by a woman she ventured not for lust, Madame Sue hissed. He would never do that. He's a good boy. He knows better than to break a contract with me. Another seven years and he'll be free of all obligation. Dana wondered if she would be able to cope with ten years married to a Madame Sue in exchange for her dream job. Conrad was made of stern stuff. Who abducted him and why? Madame Sue patted her hand. I knew when I saw you you'd be useful to have around the place, she said happily. You're tough. Everyone says so. D'Artagnan can look after herself. You did agree to help me out around the place when anything came up suited to your skill set, she added. Yes, Dana had been well aware of that clause and had signed the rental contract anyway, because a year of good sleep for a fraction of her pay seemed like a good deal, whatever the hidden costs turned out to be. Hello, hidden costs. Are you saying you want me to find your husband? Yes, before he makes everything worse. Worse than being abducted. He knows secrets, Madame Sue said too loudly, then shushed herself. Palace secrets. He's been there among them, and I think he knows too much about... And there, she pressed her lips together. You have to tell me everything or I really can't help you, Dana groaned. Someone has eyes for someone else, Madame Sue said, barely above a whisper now, at the very highest level, where a broken marriage contract could be very damaging. You understand? Oh, Dana did not want to know about this. Adventure, yes. Intrigue, all very well. But marital scandals in the palace? No, thank you. The prince was approached recently, Madame Sue said, confirming Dana's worst fears. By someone digging for dirt on his marriage. My Conrad swears the prince is innocent, but there must be something in it, mustn't there? Or he'd just tell the regents that the cardinal's out to get him. Oh, all this and the cardinal too? Dana groaned inwardly. She had thus far managed to avoid the attention of the powerful leader of the Church of All. 
If her eminence can prove the wrongdoing of one, then she could take the solar system from the other, Madame Sue whispered loudly. Her Majesty, may sunlight fall upon her moon, came to power on that speech, that wonderful speech. On the sanctity of contracts, the speech that was heard across the solar system, Lala Louise Renard Royale had stepped across the fallen reputations of her older brothers to take the throne on the promise that the moral centre of the planetary alliance could be found in the royal family, as well as the church of all. The church's tenets had kept humanity together as a functioning society when the stresses of colonising space were on the verge of destroying everything about who they were as people. Morality, faith, and the sanctity of contracts were the prime fuel of space-dwelling humanity. It was important enough to the Regents' reign that a government might well fracture under the weight of a broken marriage contract. If darling Conrad had evidence that his master was playing away from home, this was political dynamite. Go on, Dana said. Once she knew, she could never unknow it. It was that game started it all, Madame Sue said angrily. Last joyeux, where the Duchess of Buckingham joined their team. It happened that night, whatever it is. I don't want to know. Dana frowned. Buckingham? The Ambassador of Valour? I saw her on the newscast, cutting a ribbon on her tour of honour. <laughs> Buckingham, Madame Sue said, smacking her cup down on the table and pouring more tea. Conrad thinks there's a trap to lure her here, to catch her in a compromising position with the Prince Consort. Dana was suspicious now. But if they've been warned, what's the problem? The Prince can simply stay away from her. Last time I saw my darling Conrad, that was his plan, Madame Sue agreed, though her voice suggested she was close to breaking down again. It wobbled. But now he's missing, and no one at the palace will speak to me of him. I questioned the others he works with, and they said he was last seen in the company of a terrible person, a woman who is not to be trusted. Dana sighed. It sounded like something straight out of love and asteroids. Well, that's a start. Do you know who she is? Madame Sue took a deep breath and lifted her chin. There was something quite stately and dignified about her. Her name is Rosne Cho. She works as a special agent of the Cardinal, though she has no proper rank in the church, and I am certain she is a wickedly sinful woman. They usually are, Dana said. What else do you know about her? Long hair, though she claims to be a pilot half the time. And she has a scar. Madame Sue drew the pattern across her face. And Dana felt herself holding a breath she scarcely remembered taking in. Does she fly a brand new moth fighter? she asked. Madame Sue closed her eyes and nodded quickly. I see her when I go to the auction houses and the promenade, she said, watching me. 
I've no way to get a secret message to the Prince Consort about Conrad. Not without her catching me. Could you do it for me? Rosne Cho. Dana couldn't believe it. That moth pilot from Myung, the one called Ro, had to be her. Dana shivered, remembering the spaceships flying back and forth in the air between them during the duel, and that burst of pain. I'm going to get a message to the prince, and I'm sure he'll help find your Conrad and bring him home, she promised Madame Sue, patting her hand as comfortingly as she could. She was getting better at that. If Dana had learned one thing since she left home for Paris Satellite and the Musketeers, it was that Roe was her enemy. If she was the enemy of the Crown as well, then it was Dana's duty to get in her face, and with any luck, punch her in it. Duty, in this case, would also be pleasure. Thank you for listening to Sheep Might Fly. Uh, you can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR or at Sheep Might Fly. Find me on Facebook at TansyRR Books. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of cool rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. Uh, this is the first time, but I will probably remind you again. Uh, if you are interested in the conspiracy that uh, Madame Sue is talking about, you can read all the details in the novella Joyeux, which is a prequel to Musketeer Space. It is kind of technically spoilery in that it's going to reveal a lot of details of what they're talking about over the next many, many chapters of uh, the past events uh, that happened six months before Dana arrived on Paris Satellite. But on the other hand, there are kind of spoilers in both directions, depending on when you choose to read Joyeux. I originally wrote and published it between the two halves of the novel. So that might affect when you choose to read it. But you can always, some of you have already listened to it here on the podcast. Uh, you can listen to it free at any time or you can go and purchase the novella. Uh, it's up to you. There are various points at which you can go back and absorb the festive merriment of Joyeux. It will be particularly appropriate, actually, around about Christmas this year, because that will be when we're taking a break from this novel uh, at, again, the halfway point. So it's up to you how you want to pick and choose. All right, I will see you next week for more Musketeer Space.